Welcome to the Hyper Fast Show, where we believe unlimited growth in business and life is created by surrounding yourself with people who have been where you are going. Learning from others allows you to compress time and grow hyper fast. And now, here are your hosts, Kerry Shaw and Dan Lesniak. Kerry and Dan are real estate developers, best-selling authors, billion-dollar agents, and million-dollar agent makers. And now, get ready to grow hyper fast. All right, guys, welcome to the Hyperfast Agent Show. Today, we are in our temporary studio. We've got some exciting things going around the office. We're getting renovation on our ground floor space, a bunch of new space up on the 10th floor with amazing views, and we're on the 7th floor, so we got this temporary studio before we build our new, awesome, amazing one on the 10th floor, so we're excited about that. A lot of big changes, a lot of growth coming to our real estate team, and I'm excited today to talk a little bit about that and a little bit about uh, our guest career path with our team. So without further ado, uh, let's welcome Drew Carpenter to the show. Hello. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being on, Drew. You're the, actually the first team member to be interviewed on the Hyperfast Agent Plus. show. So before, before we jump into what we're going to talk about today... Give everybody out there a little bit of background about who you are, how you got into real estate, and just a, a brief synopsis of the journey so far. Sure. Uh, so again, I'm Drew Carpenter. I'm an agent here on the Kerry Schultz team in Orange Line Living. I've been working with Dan for almost three years now. Wow. I didn't know it was that long. July 2016 is when I started. I graduated college 2012. Didn't quite exactly know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to get into some sort of like sales position. So I have done everything from, I did federal IT recruiting, I sold software, and then kind of got back into real estate in 2016 with you guys. Um, I initially did real estate when I moved out of school, but it wasn't quite a career. It was more of a job at that point. And then after going through the recruiting and the software sales, I kind of realized how good I might have had it in real estate, but I just needed to get on a better team and do something a little bit more closer, focused in on Arlington and DC. And I'd seen Carrie's face everywhere, and I was like, I think I need to call that lady. So then I hunted you guys down, and two weeks later, I was employed. All right. So there you have it. Uh, three years now on the team. That came, that went fast. But uh, how has it been? Like, like, how many deals did you close in 16, which was like a half year? What did you close in 17, 18? What are you on path this year for? So 16, I was getting my, you know, during July 2016, I was in the process of like getting my license back active and everything. So I worked kind of partially as an ISA booking appointments for the agents while I got my license up and running. I think in the end, I ended up doing about probably like six deals in 2016 because it was like October, November by the time it all like got squared away. 2017, I did, I believe, 18 deals. 2018, I did 25, and I am at 18 for the year for 2019. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So first year in, you did six, which in our market is about the average of all ages, right? Nationally, it's usually 10 to 12. I think a lot of times the price point kind of determines what the average is locally. Sure. Our price point happens to be about two times the average of the national median home price. So... It just kind of works out weird when you study the numbers. It's sometimes hard to do, but agents in our area typically do six deals, which is half of what the national average is, 
and you know, so that equals about the same volume. So you came out in a half year, first year did did six. Now, a couple years later, you're on path. You're on the path on track to do like thirty six. You're at eighteen yeah. halfway through, so thirty six. Uh, at our price points, that's probably eighteen to twenty two million, maybe maybe a little more or so. But uh, so so that's an amazing journey. How did that happen? What were the keys to that? Repetition. I mean, honestly, the I hate the term putting in the work, but every, I mean, every Sunday doing an open house, no matter what, you know, if I'm out of town, that's one thing, but there's been very few of those Sundays and that's a great way to meet buyers and meet neighbors and clients and just kind of get your face out there, building your confidence. You know, obviously anyone who comes into real estate and all of a sudden you're helping someone with the largest financial purchase of their life, likely can be a little scary. Um, you, you know, if you're unsure of yourself, it can kind of show and you can kind of exude that through how you communicate. So just getting comfortable and confident with how I handle my real estate process and getting the confidence in myself. And then just kind of, you know, in most sales position, you got to thicken your skin. Every sales job I've had, you've had, there's some sort of like process of going through where like you're, you're, you're getting shit on, you're, you're getting tough nose, you're getting a lot of nose and, it's the perseverance of looking through all that and continuing and knowing that it's a numbers game. Yeah, a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, let's unwind, un- unpeel some of it. Uh, last thing you, you kind of hinted at was getting comfortable with no. No's, no's happen a lot, more than yeses. In fact, I think like less than 5% of all sales happen on the first ask. The average is about six or seven times of asking. So the average salesperson is going to get six no's before they get a yes yet the average salesperson never even asked for the sale in the first place. And I think, I think a lot of people experience that. Like you get in that meeting with the buyer, you don't want to ask them to sign the buyer agreement. Like it's just, just a lot of people don't want to ask them, right? You show them a house, you think it's like really great, you don't try to close them on it and at least eliminate it as a possibility so you can find out what things in the house they have objections to so you can move on to the next one. And, and a lot of people just never, never get that, that first ask out there, let alone the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. How do you get through that? Getting smarter about really honing in on the one or two items that are really going to drive the decision. You know, people have a lot of criteria for their homes, but really you, you know, that's important and you got to take that into consideration. But in those meetings and as you're seeing property, you really got to find out that one or two things that keeps coming up as to why they're saying no and then find something that you know maybe it's completely different in terms of like bedroom or bathroom size or maybe in a different location but it has you know it overcomes that one challenge that they keep bringing up you know one would be like i I find a lot of time people they don't think the yard space is big enough they got a family they got kids they got dogs they want a little bit extra space and then you know for the house that they want though the yard space doesn't really come along with that before i probably would have just kept sending them things that fit their criteria, things that they told me in the meeting. Um, but as I've kind of gotten better at this, you get a little bit more creative. You, you think outside the box a little bit and you can kind of overcome the, you know, and focus in on those main challenges. That's how I've, I've found not only people thank me for it, but I'm moving more clients through my pipeline that way. So what, what do you do about the yard space deal? Because we happen to, for those of you who don't know, in Arlington, D.C., close in metro area, yard space is a big freaking challenge. A quarter acre is a farm in Arlington. You know, like that's yeah. a big piece of land. And um, 
you know, one idea, I don't know if you've done this or if you do other things like this, is to point out the proximity of parks. Arlington just got ranked number four in the nation in park score. Now they, so they look at like how far the average person is to a park, how much land is dedicated to parks, how, how good it is, all, all sorts of stuff go into this. Arlington got number four, DC got number one. So uh, no matter where you live in Arlington, you're, you're, like 98% are within a 10-minute walk of a park. But I don't, does that ever play into that yard criteria? Like, what would you use it for? Did you know there's a park? It's funny you bring that up because that's exactly what I've started to do because that is something, as I've noticed, as I've started to live a few different places in Arlington where that has become more important as I have a young dog, that dog park, children's park, they, they do such a good job with that that I never really thought of that before because growing up, everyone had a yard where I lived. Right. It, didn't matter if there's a park nearby because you didn't need it. Here, where that space becomes a lot more valuable, that is something that I do a lot more homework on before meeting with someone. Yeah, and I, I think that's just one example. There's there's other examples. Like in that initial meeting with the buyer, they may say, I really need a four-bedroom. And, and in their price range, location they want, maybe that's not available. But you ask the question like one or two levels deeper, like, oh, what do you need the fourth bedroom for you know you got two kids is it would would a den with a fold-out couch for the occasional guest work right and now maybe by switching the criteria to three bedrooms but seeing which ones have a den or some extra flex space maybe you know more options come into play like does, does that process happen you know at the initial meeting when you're showing them homes like, like walk us through that so i think a lot of agents don't get to the the need be behind the need it, that's, that's actually a really good point, and it will vary client to client. I try my best to do that in the initial meeting. Not only will it help you narrow down the options when you're actually going to show them property, uh, but it shows them that you actually have interest and you're caring. You're not there. You're not, you're not a waiter taking down their order of what they want for a home because their criteria is typically like a wish list. You know, it's your job as the agent to not only know the inventory that's out there, but then kind of mold the conversation they have, the main pointers that they're looking for into what's actually available, and then showing, you know, kind of showing back to the client the value and what you've been able to bring to them and how this could work for them. Yeah, great stuff. I think uh, a lot of young agents are afraid to, you know, it's interesting on the buy side. I've, I've had a lot of people say, oh, well, like your interests don't align as a buyer's agent, you know, with me purchasing a home because the more, you know, the higher the sales price we go, the more mm. commission you get, which uh, technically is true, but it's such a minimal and small amount that a lot of people get scared of like trying to sell a buyer. I never go, you know, I go into any buyer that I meet with that like, hey, listen, I'm here in your corner. I'm working with you. I'm not here to loyal to any house. But as I've gotten better at this, I've gotten more confident to know when we go into a home and I truly think it's the right home for them to make that clear. Like, hey, this is, I think, one of the best options that you're going to see. This is why, based on our conversation. And I think a lot of agents, newer agents, are a little, you know, they just, they take them to the house. They don't like it. They just go to the next one and, like, hope that they pick one along the way. It's, it, it takes time, but getting people okay with the idea of kind of just giving that little, like, push yeah. can be hard for agents. Um, but it's proven to be pretty effective if you can learn how to do it. No, I agree. I, I think buying a house is, for most consumers in the residential space, is more emotional than financial. If this was a purely financial decision, I think a lot of people would not need agents. But it's emotional. It's, it's something that you do very, very infrequently, and it's a large purchase. 
So it's really opposite of a lot of industries that have been Uberized. Mm-hmm. Like taking a cab ride is something you do all the time. It's frequent and it's small. That's a lot different than something you do once every two to five to ten years that costs two, three, four, five X your annual salary. Yeah. So I think it's a lot more emotional and, and people need to be pushed. And, and that's, that's I think, one of the biggest jobs you can do as a buyer's agent is use your experience, use your market knowledge to push them to make the decision that's best for them because they don't have that experience. They don't have that repetition. They don't have that local knowledge. They haven't seen dozens and dozens of these. You're doing it 36 deals a year. You're doing this three times a month, something that they do once every five years. So you can push them from a unbiased, unemotional, you know, point of view. And, and whether they spend 500 or, or 510 or 520, that, that last bit of 10K, 20K that you get commission on, I, I think is kind of very, very small potatoes to not only the rest of the, 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 pro, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the price that you get the commission on, but small potatoes compared to the future business because every client that has a great experience with you can really represent 5, 10, 20 deals later down the road, right, from referrals yeah. repeat business, and, and that grows. It's funny. I read um, in Ryan Serhan's book, he made a great comparison that I kind of think about, especially like in an open house scenario and with um, with uh, new clients. He's like, you, a lot of people are either a used car salesman. They're, they're pushy. They just want to make the sale. They want to get it through. Everyone knows those people. Everybody runs into them. Or other people become tour guides hmm. where they're not actually there to try to help you sell you anything or help you make the purchase. They're opening doors. You see that a lot with like the discount brokerages. They show up. They don't know a whole lot about the market or the house, but they open the door for you. You see, and like for some people, that's enough. For most people, that's not nearly the support that they need in order to purchase a home. So it's about finding that balance between being the salesperson and a tour guide. You know, you don't want to, you don't want your client to think that you're just trying to sell them on the first house that they go into. Now, if you take them into the first house and it is the one, you can't be afraid to say it, but you also don't want to lose them as a client and have them have the idea that you're just trying to get the deal done. So striking that balance between salesman and a tour guide is kind of where you want to be. Yeah, that's a great point. Are you a real estate agent looking to grow your business in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area? The Kerry Shull and Orange Line Living team is looking for talented, motivated people who want to be a part of a collaborative and competitive team poised to become number one in the world by 2021. Our new agents have success at a rate that is nearly nine times the industry average, and our experienced agents average over $252,000 a year. Our industry-leading lead generation, training, and support systems put our agents in the best possible position for success. If you want to work hard, serve more clients, have fun, and make more money, then call us today at 703-661. 9756 or go to com. You brought up open houses a few times, so let's let's talk about that for a minute. Describe the importance of open house, you know, doing open houses in your business. I mean, a lot of uh, people do come into open houses that are nosy neighbors, they're bored on a Sunday, they they walk in. But the majority of people coming into an open house have some sort of purpose or desire to purchase a home. Like 
I've had slow Sundays before, but I don't really spend it just aimlessly walking around into houses. You know, like you have to believe that every person that's walking in is a lead. You know, some people will walk in and tell you right off the bat, I here after brunch, I'm just looking. Um, a lot of people who tend to be a little bit more quiet are the ones that are probably looking for a home. They've done their homework. They've scoped this one out. The open houses are most importantly, though, just by the frequency. You know, we do them every Sunday. We're starting to do them Thursdays and Saturdays as well. A once a week opportunity to be surrounded by people looking to buy a house is a no-brainer. It's, I mean, it's just a no-brainer. If you're, not, if you're a buyer's agent and you're not doing them, I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah, I agree, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. One question I have, what's what's your routine for open houses? How do you do them? Well, I'm in the office at least a, a few hours beforehand. Um, besides having materials ready, balloons out, signs out, what I do to prepare is study the market around it. Um, I first look at the property itself. What are the specs? When was it built? What are the unique features of it? What are some cool selling points? Um, once I kind of get know which house I'm doing, what I should be trying to sell about the house, I will then pull comps. Whether it's a condo building, a neighborhood, a town, I look at the comps. A lot of times, you know, even our listings can be overpriced sometimes. Um, I try to understand where we're priced and if we're priced accordingly or even below where I think we should be, I say that to people when they come in. You know, I I think this is a very well-priced home Um, and knowing where the house kind of sits in the market is a good opportunity for you. If you're hosting an open house for someone who's got a wildly overpriced home, don't just use that as like, you know, I'm sitting in this home that's overpriced, it's never going to sell. Use it as a talking point to connect with the buyer to go look for another home then. You know, it's, you got to know where the house sits in the market and how to sell it. Um, So we understand the home, we understand the comps, and then I also see what other open houses are nearby, uh, particularly ones that our team is hosting. So if the person is really looking for something specific or it's not the house for them and they're still going to go out and see a few others, you can kind of direct them to other places. And just, you know, knowing what else is available just shows that you came prepared. People can tell when you show up and you don't know the house, you don't know the market around it, they can tell. Yeah, I think knowing the house you're in obviously is important. Knowing the market around it is important. Knowing what listings are coming up, that would be a good alternative to that house, like if, if someone didn't like it because it was on a busy road or it looked a certain way, like knowing what else is around that someone else might consider. So yeah. I think that that's, those are great carrots to show market knowledge, but to also give them something that they can't see right now in the MLS that, that you know about and they don't. That's, yeah. that's a value provider. You touched right? on a great point. That's probably the fourth thing I do on my list there is look at the house that I'm in and not every team has the amount of off-market inventory that we do, but I'm lucky enough where I can go in and if I'm hosting an open house at a two-bed, two-bath condo in Arlington, I can look at our list of coming soon properties. So every time someone's like, you know, this isn't really the house for me and maybe there's something else on the market, great. But if a great carrot for a lot of people who especially who have been searching for a long time is, hey, we actually have a two-bed, two-bath few blocks away coming up in a month or so that immediately piques some interest. Because they they probably would have seen it if it's on the market already, right? Um, so I I every time you know that Sunday heading into the open house, I see what else on our coming soon list could be an option for anyone coming to this current open house. What's your closing ratio or, or number of closings you've had per open houses? Like how, how many do you, 
Off the top of my head, I don't know. I just had one closed last week from an open house, so I know I at least have one so far this year. I, I'd say at, I do at least probably like four to six a year, like in the last two yeah. years, 2018, 2018, I had six or seven from the open houses, so we'll see how we're end so, up at the end so of 2019. price points, that's probably about three, three and a half million a year, right? So for most agents, that's typically going to be 100 120 in, in GCI, 110 in GCI, something like that. So yeah. a lot of money out there in open houses. Now, there are some trainers, coaches, agents out there that, that kind of dog on them and and, uh, and say it's a waste of time. But, you know, you see Drew here is closing three to four million a year from open houses. Plus, I think it builds over time. Like, I just got a call... Two days ago, basically a, a come list me call for what will probably be close to a million dollar condo. And it was a lady who looked at uh, an open house that I hosted in 2012. <laughs> so that's seven years ago. My first year in real estate. But she, she met me there. She just bought a similar unit in the building and was just the nosy neighbor, yep. basically. Right, so so it builds over time. Like you're gonna, you, the more you do, the more types of those calls you'll get. So it is a little puzzling to me, though, why some coaches and trainers like really knock on them. And if you if you look at it from this way, because I know a lot of the the knock on them comes from the people that are really pushing the digital marketing. They, they say that's all you should do. Well, if you meet ten people at an open house. Right. Typically to meet 10 people, get 10 appointments from online leads. And, and we know this because we, we get like six, seven hundred online leads a week. So we, we know what the conversion ratios are to, to meet with 20. You probably need at least 100 online leads. That's if you're like the best in the world at doing it. 100 online leads on Facebook. If you're like the best. At it. It's going to cost you probably about 10 bucks a lead. Probably more depending on the market. Our market's higher. It's higher price points so and more people bidding for it. But So that's like 1000 bucks, right? And it could be as high as two, 3000 bucks worth of leads, worth of you know, face-to-face meetings that, that you're getting for two hours of work. So that's, that's a pretty good ratio if you look at your, your hour, <laughs> hourly rate. Uh, I think most agents in the six-figure level, like – you know, 100 to, to 400, 500K of, of earnings are probably making uh, $200 an hour, something like that. So open houses really are a way to get paid 500 to $1,000 an hour if you look at it that way. And you got to look at it that way. You, you can't look at, as you mentioned, all the people who are saying just digital marketing. You know, if you believe that, then you're probably not the person that should be hosting the open house. You got to go in there with the mindset that truly every person that walks in could be an opportunity for you and treat it as such. It's, it's like dating, you know, an open house, like you're, you can go online and date, you know, set up an online profile and market it out to people that way. But you could also just go to a bar, a place somewhere with a lot of people and just go up and strike a conversation with someone, you know, your chances, if you're single looking for a partner, that's what you need to do to go out and meet someone. It's kind of like the same way at an open house. I treat it like dating, like almost speed dating, if you will. You're you're going up, you're 
I'm not necessarily always trying to sell someone on the house. I'm just trying to make a connection with them. I'm trying to figure out what they're looking for, what brought them in. You understand a little bit about what they're looking for. Maybe this house is for them. If it is, that's when you can start to try to sell them the home a little bit. If you quickly realize like this is not what they're looking for, if you've got something better, you you go for the meeting. But ultimately, just making some sort of connection, mostly for me personally, I don't make it about the real estate. I ask them about where they were coming from, the shirt that they're wearing, the car that they pulled up in, something so they know that you're not just a person trying to push them the house that you're sitting in. You're trying to make a genuine connection with the person. So, Yeah, speed of rapport, build that rapport quickly. You know, I think the most deadly agent, the, the, the one that's going to sell the most, get in front of the most people, is the one that combines the old and the new school, right? So your, your younger Gen Xers, your older Gen Ys kind of fitness category, but really anybody can. It has nothing to do with age, but adopting the old school uh, tactics of meeting people, doing opens, calling Adopting that with digital social media open houses are a great way to do that because it is that old school method of face-to-face meetings with people you don't know, right? But really, you could you could run Facebook ads for like $10 a day the week of the open house and Instagram ads, post about it a couple times throughout the week organically, right? Then your open house is about to start. You get on, pull out your smartphone and and just do some, do a little live that it's you know starting, and, th- and then when it's done, give a little recap, right? So then you've got kind of all elements working, like meeting people face to face at the open, driving them there with organic and paid marketing, getting some live video. I think that is really how you crush open houses. And I know, I know a lot of people have taken our buyer agent course. We've also made a uh, an open house course that goes through a lot of the techniques training that Drew's talked about, uh, and we've got dozens of agents doing these every week. So we, we took the best practices, put it in a, a course that's a couple hours. You can get it at hyperfastacademy.com. And, you know, that, that, that course is super effective. I know for our team, it's open houses are like our third best lead source, probably behind uh, repeat and referrals, which are our biggest. And that's just because we've been selling a few hundred homes a year for several years, right? But, but open houses are right up there with one of our top lead sources. And, you know, that course, that open house mastery course at hyperfastacademy.com can help you get there. And uh, I think now's a good time, though, to pivot, talk a little bit about, because we, we just got into digital marketing and, you know, our team's made a huge push on digital social media marketing. Drew's been involved in that over the last six, seven, eight months. Tell us what you've been doing to help the team, help yourself, kind of highlight local businesses and build up just kind of social awareness at the micro-geographic level? Sure. But last point I want to touch real quick about um, the open houses. I'll get right back to your question. Text messages after the open house, I've seen a lot of success so far. We implemented it through our CRM where they get, um, you know, a pre-recorded message from myself saying, hey, thanks for coming to the open house. It was great to meet you. Et cetera, et cetera. If you've got a CRM tool, it should be, you know, should be capable to do that. Um, but you also don't need a, an advanced CRM to do that. If you take a video of yourself and then text it to every single person that came to the open house, I find a huge open rate for those. And usually my inbox come Monday morning has at least one or two responses from someone who got the text message. 
pivoting back to your question, um, I do. I've been doing a lot of neighborhood spotlights, um, mostly starting here in Arlington to highlight some local businesses. This is not. I'm not here to rank the best or take money from restaurants who that I like. Uh, my goal is more of a focus on local businesses, not your. TGI Fridays or your cheesecake factories, but your businesses that are local here to your market. So the idea really just came from, I, I, I've got a lot of contacts in the restaurant industry. I, I frequent, if you will, Clarendon and their nightlife. So I've made a lot of friends over the years and it seemed like a great way where if I, if I was moving to a new town, yeah, you know, you want to understand the house that you're buying, but you're also kind of buying into the neighborhood in the area. What what's there? You know, every town has a TGI Fridays, but not everyone has a Whitlow's on Wilson or a Wilson Hardware or something like that. So I got the idea. Started small with you know one camera guy. We went out to the restaurant. Simple questions uh, from the owners: How long you been in the restaurant industry? What do you like about working in the neighborhood? You know, what's your favorite th- food and drink on the menu? And then from there, it's we've kind of presented it uh, to the home buying consumer as a way to understand your neighborhood. You know, for the restaurant, it's free press. We get it out on all social. We get it out to Arlington now. We take care of all of it for them, all the production. But mainly for the end consumer, they have a much better idea now of who the local businesses are, what they're about, um, and can, kind of feel a little better about moving into a new town, knowing a little bit more about the unique people that are working and facilitating business. Yeah, and these have been, you know, just like you said, a couple minutes long. We've pushed them out on a local blog. We've, we've pushed out on Facebook, of course, and our YouTube channel. You can you can look at these videos if you want examples of of it on the Carrie Scholl team YouTube channel. There's there's tons of examples. It's helped raise the team's awareness. Helped raise awareness for Drew. Get, get you like just in front of more people now. They now that random person that comes in the open house, right? They they may may have seen you that week on yeah. a, a Facebook talking about the, the restaurant down the street. And I yeah. think that helps. It, it actually has already happened. And a lot of what I, you know, I do it is our ba- our business is under Carrie's name. So obviously everyone knows Carrie, but not everyone might not know me. So it kind of brought it on myself to get my name out there a little bit. And it's helped tremendously. And I, I did one where I actually brought my dog to one of the listings um, and then kind of walked it by the restaurant and everything. And then it had to have been like three days later Someone walked into my open house and I go, I'm like going to introduce myself. And he's like, how's Wilson? Wilson is my puppy. And I was, it kind of like had one of those weird moments where I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, he's good. He's good. Like, he's like, yeah, so your video is awesome. And then, you know, wow. immediately had some rapport and it was just a few days later. So it's minimal effort and gets a lot of exposure. So I, I don't, it's not a whole lot of production. It's really something that anyone can do with a, an iPhone, a, a pocket, you know, Osmo stabilizer camera. Uh, there's, there's plenty of options that aren't expensive, like cameras that are anywhere from a few hundred dollars to eight hundred dollars. I mean, you don't have to get the thousand dollar and up rigs or have other crews. Even you can do this, you know, with your with yourself, with the business owner, and 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 just put the content out there. You know, the, the local business is going to like it. They're probably going to send you referrals at some point just naturally because you're helping or them out. Or free drink vouchers. Or free drink vouchers, <laughs> right? It's, it's going to get you more notoriety in the community. And and so go out and just, just do one or two of them a month and, and, and be consistent and get, get practice at doing it. And it's going to make you more recognizable in the areas you want to do business. Yeah, just put out the content. Done is better than perfect. It's not about having the 
best questions or the best production. It's it's about getting it out there, making it valuable to the consumer, and just continuously and putting out the content. Yeah, and it's definitely I've seen it help Drew's business. And I, I think what's really cool is a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to work for a team, so it's going to be all about them, and I, I you know, can't make that much money, and there's limits, and there, there's really not if, if you're on a team that structures it the right way. And, and Drew's a great example of that. You know, he's gotten to the point where, where soon we'll hire him a showing assistant and, and take him from 36 deals to 50 deals. And, you know, at that level, our price point, we're, we're talking going from 250 in income to four or 500. So it's exciting for me to see him and other people reach those levels and, and then now kind of have their own little uh, pockets, spheres of influence that they, they dominate in the community, in the market. And that's that's something that that we're really proud of that we've rolled out for our agents. A couple last questions, Drew. What are what's next for you? Like, what's your one year, five year goals in real estate? Ooh, or life? Heavy question. Well, I'm not going anywhere until I'm the number one salesperson here. So I got to take down Amy. My my five year plan though is that's gonna be tough. That is gonna be tough. She's good. She's good is to learn how to leverage other people. You know, this opportunity of having a showing assistant and someone, you know, below me, if you will, I'm very much looking forward to. I'm very much relieved to think about a little bit. Um, I've been running around doing everything soup to nuts for a long time. And while I, I think people appreciate that as part of the service that I offer and, and I hope they enjoy spending time with me while we're looking for the homes, I think it will be a nice learning curve a nice learning curve for myself, for my business, to learn how to manage other people, leverage them to make my business more successful, and ultimately enjoy the rewards of doing more business. Well, we, we are definitely excited for that journey. Last last uh, couple questions here. This okay. is the hyper-fast round, so we're going to throw oh, okay. some questions at you super fast. All right, I'm ready. All right. Biggest mistake you made in real estate? The biggest mistake I have made in real estate was, uh, damn, that's a tough question. Counting your chickens before they hatch. Until that closing paper is signed and all parties have signed, you're not getting paid. Good point. Biggest piece of advice to a new real estate agent? Biggest piece of advice to a new real estate agent would be to understand that if you want to be successful in real estate, it is a lifestyle. It is 100% a lifestyle. You need to get get over the idea of having Saturdays and Sundays off. Get over the idea of PTO and safety of a salary. It one, I mean, sales sales jobs varies company to company, industry to industry. This is, and I've had different sales gigs at different companies and they were relatively kind of the same in a way, this is a lifestyle. And unless you commit to it, I don't really see anyone being successful until they understand and accept that. All right. Biggest piece of advice to a veteran real estate agent. Stop knocking social media. (laughs) Just stop. I don't care how many years you've been in the business. We're here. You're here representing your client. I'm here representing my client and we're here to get the deal done. Your experience typically doesn't relate to more sales. So get off your high horse, take social media seriously, and no one cares how long you've been in the business. All right. That's a good one. Last one. 
uh, biggest piece of real estate investment advice? Real estate investment is, again, I, I'm a big believer in the buy and hold. Um, a lot of people are, I'm not handy enough or know the, the whole way to flip homes yet. I'd like to. I'd like to learn that. But just get some skin in the game. Everyone looks at real estate investing as like some big far off thing that you do later in life. Buy now with what you can. There are so many programs that you can buy with three and a half percent, zero percent down. You know, I, I bought a condo last year, five percent down. Five percent. I think if you're looking at this was in Arlington, it was a two hundred seventy thousand dollar condo. What do you need? Ten grand, twelve grand, thirteen grand to control a quarter million dollars almost. Yeah. And then just wait. You know, if you're in, if you're in, that's easy to say in the DC market, or a little easier to say in the DC market. But just get some skin in the game. Stop waiting. It's kind of like saving for retirement. Just, just, just get into it as soon as possible. Get some skin in the game and get things moving. All right, guys, you heard it. Get in the game. Get those reps in. Drew, thanks for being on the show. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way? Social media or or, or what do you prefer? How, and how should people get in touch with you if they want to pick your brain or, or ask you about how you're closing so many deals? Well, you can uh, email me anytime. I'm just drew at kerryschultteam.com. If you want to find me I'm primarily on Instagram, it's uh, Drew Carp C-A-R-P-8-9. It's Drew Carp 89 all right, Drew, thanks for being on the show. We appreciate it. That was awesome. Thanks, boss. A lot of great stuff on open house conversions, getting the reps in. If you guys want the course, the open house course, go to hyperfastacademy.com. We got a ton of courses out there as well. We got our, our buyer agent course uh, and a ton of other ones, but that open house mastery course really can help you, I think, make six figures or more a year just from a couple hours on the weekend. So check out that course and please leave us a review. Let us know the good, the bad, the ugly. We love the reviews and I hope to connect with you guys again soon on the next episode. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyperfast Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyperfast shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests, improve our shows, and give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.